Welcome to episode 40 of the Inner Work Conversation, a podcast I've created for leaders like you. This podcast is dedicated to making sure you feel empowered and reassured that you are totally not alone. I'm Nikki Cross, founder of Thrive Life and Business, and in today's episode, I am talking about the lessons that I have learned as a 35-year-old business owner. It is my birthday today, and so I wanted to share something a little bit more personal with you. Yes, this episode is longer than it usually is, so strap yourselves in. All I'm going to say before we dive in is, if something has resonated with you today, please share this episode with a friend, a leader who you think might also benefit from hearing it. And also, if it did resonate with you, make sure that you're following me over on Instagram because this is the kind of content that I put out there too. Okay, so with that, let's dive in. Hi, welcome to another episode. I am celebrating today because today is the 25th of August, which means it is my birthday. (laughs) So regardless of whether you're tuning into this episode today or in months and months and months to come, I just wanna give you a special thank you for tuning in and being here with me today. Now, as it's my birthday, my 35th actually, I've been reflecting on the last year and this time last year, I was months into my business. And so I wanted to record an episode today just to chat to you really about how I found it, what lessons I've learned, what experiences that I've had in the hope that not only we can get to know each other a little bit better because I know some of you message me after the episode saying, oh, it's good to hear your experience. This has been mine. It's really lovely to form that connection with you, but also to share some of my experiences with you in the hope that it will shed some light, not only, well, it's the whole point of the podcast really, to make you feel empowered and reassured that you're not alone. And I want to be really clear here. This, I'm going to be sharing my experiences as a business owner over the last year, but I think that this episode will really apply to you, regardless of whether you're a business owner, a leader in a business, or a professional in a business. I think that some of the lessons that I've learned, not only will you find in this episode that they don't just apply to business, or even specifically business owners, but they apply to life as well. Um, So what I'm going to be covering in this episode, I've put a few notes together just so I keep on track. Um, I'm going to start with why I quit my job and what background background I think it is useful for you to know to set the context. I'm not going to be labouring on that at all. I'm also going to be talking about how I felt leaving my job because I want to give you it real. (laughs) I want to give it to you properly so that you understand that it's not always seamless and it's not always lovely to look at. Um, I'm going to be talking about how Thrive Life and Business came to be the business it is now, but also what I want to share with you is the challenges that I had. So the challenges with myself, the challenges with others, the challenges with business, the lessons that I've learned from that, and a bit of a summary really of where I'm at now, because where I'm at now is leading into September. So for those of you who know me quite well, or maybe have listened to this podcast, or maybe you're members of my group membership or a one-to-one client, you will know that every single month we theme. And the theme for September, I'm going to announce at the end of this episode. And I think that this episode will give a lot of context to that theme and help you to understand why I lay a lot of importance on that particular topic. So let's jump in. Let's jump in. First thing I said I wanted to cover was, oh, by the way, before I jump in, this is going to be a chatty episode. So, <laughs> um, And so 
for those of you who are over on my Instagram, recently, just this week, you've answered messages. No, not messages. What are they called? The little sticker where you vote one or the other thing. And I was asking questions like, do you like long episodes, short episodes, chatty episodes, structured episodes? And it was really surprising to me that I think it was 95% of you prefer the chattier episodes. And that really puts my mind at rest as well, because if I'm completely honest with you, they're the episodes that I feel a little bit more nervous about because, well, it's less structured, I suppose. It's more, there's more room for you to get shit wrong. <laughs> there's more room for you to fuck up and all of the normal stuff, which I'm going to be talking about today. So anyway, I just wanted to let you know, this is going to be a chatty episode. Um, strap yourselves in for that because I'm not going to try and make this refined. I'm not going to try and make this anything other than me sharing with you what my experience has been. So strap yourself in. And if that's not for you, consider this an opportunity to dive out now. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so first things first, why did I quit my job? What was the background? As I say, I'm not going to labor on this because I want to get to the lessons, but I think a little bit of context might be useful. So in short, I have worked in learning and development since I was 18. I had many, many jobs in this time working as a trainer and a coach all the way through to being a people performance director and the scope as well. I've worked with one man bands all the way through to large blue chip organizations globally. And what I saw over time is that businesses were spending so much money on people development, especially leadership development, but the return on investment was lacking. And I saw that all the way through from massive organizations with huge, huge budgets, all the way through to one man bands, you know, so a lot of you listening, I know are single owned business owners, your founders, and it's spending those, that money that I know is so precious to you on courses, on workshops, on webinars, on memberships, but not really seeing that return on investment. And one of the things that I noticed time after time, that this was because what was happening is and for those of you who are are in learning and development, you'll know the Kirkpatrick model. I'll link it in the show notes. What was happening was, I'm just making a note to link it in the show notes. <laughs> um, otherwise I'll forget. What was happening was the knowledge was being delivered. So therefore what that means is the people were attending the training, attending the workshops. But then when these people went back into their jobs, or if the training was to do with their lives, when these people went back into their lives, they couldn't implement it. And this is because development usually happens at three levels, knowledge, skill, behavior, or a mix of the three. And so if you've just learned something, even if it's really fucking straightforward, the likelihood is that there's gonna be effort required to overcome your internal resistance to doing things the way you've always done them. Even if the thing, the way you're currently working, the way you're currently doing the thing isn't actually working. We are creatures of habit. We do the things that we feel comfortable with. And I didn't want that anymore. It didn't align with me to work with businesses, to work with individuals, to provide this development service, but to then not be able to make the actual deep impact that I wanted to make. I wanted to be able to have a bigger impact and I had a very clear vision of how I was gonna do it. It just took me a lot of years to 
Stop pretending that I didn't know what I wanted to do. Stop moaning about the current situation and the way the current situation was, whatever employment I was in at that time. Stop trying to, I suppose, hide away from the fact that the only real way for me particularly to do what I wanted to do was create it. And it's really interesting actually when I put it like that because the jobs that I've had, most of them in my learning and development career have been made by me. I've usually been the one that's gone to the employer and said, I can see a gap here, shall we fill it? Um, so yeah, I haven't really noticed that before. I'm sort of thinking out loud there. But anyway, leading into <laughs> how I felt about leaving my job, I was bricking it, to be honest. I And I want you to know that because I think that a lot of you listening you have your own businesses. A lot of you listening are thinking about having your own business. A lot of you listening are maybe in a situation where you don't want your own business, but you want to move into a different industry or basically you want to make a change. And what I want you to know is when you are resisting a change and when you finally admit to yourself what you really want, it's scary. <laughs> I put it off for years, but in the end, the discomfort of staying still was massively outweighed by the discomfort of potentially failing, which was my fear. And so I invested in my own coach. And one of the things that she said to me at the time, which massively helped me to work out what would happen if my fears actualize, was thinking about the worst case scenario and the way she explained it and the way she guided me through it was amazing. She was basically saying to me, look, Nikki, if your fears actualized, are we right in thinking that the worst case scenario would be that you would be likely back to your current situation? You know, it's not gonna be overly difficult for you to secure a similar or better role for yourself if it all went to shit. And what I've since realized is this is a technique that Marie Forleo uses in her book, Everything is Figureoutable, that Tim Ferriss uses in um, his book called, hang on a minute, Tools of Titans, which I know that I was just looking for, it, which I've mentioned before, he calls it fear setting. Um, but what it is, is that you don't feel the fear and then get ruled by it, but instead, you feel the fear and then you look it straight in the eyes, you explore it, you go deep, deep into it. And eventually, if you sit with your fear for long enough, you realize that your fears are just things that are possible, but not probable. And usually, even if they did happen, they can be worked through. Even if they did happen, which I love putting it that way, like, is it possible? Yeah. Is it probable? No. But when you go deep into it and you realize that your fears are literally things that are, yes, possible, not probable, and they can be worked through even if they did happen, they're not inevitable eventualities. And doing this really, really helped, as did working out practically like what's our financial situation in pounds and pence, how long would I have in order to not be bringing in any revenue into our household so as not to put pressure on our relationship and the mortgage and all of those things. Like really practical things. When you look at your fears and you dig into them, you realize that some of your fears are just the monsters that live under your bed. You know, they're, they're your insecurities. They're the things that 
no one can really understand because they live inside of you. And then other fears are real, you know, like your financial situation, all of that kind of stuff. And you have to sit with your fear long enough to recognize what is the inner work that I need to work through and what is the actual practical stuff that I need to also work through, but might be wiser for me to form a actual pragmatic plan. I hope that makes sense. Um, and that is exactly what we did, by the way. And so, yeah, like one day, I, I, I definitely have um, made episodes on this, so I'm not going to label too much on how I quit my job and all that. But one day I found myself on the train from Lime Street in Liverpool to London, Euston, having a meeting with my boss at the time, who I have recorded a podcast with. <laughs> <laughs> um, his name's Matt and he's an epic guy and I'll link his episode in the show notes because it's a great episode for leaders. He's a fantastic leader. But we were really honest with each other and we worked out an exit plan for me. And to this day, I still work with him. I still, um, I still have mentoring calls with him where he chats me through things if I can't make sense of them. So I suppose the lesson from that, from that really is I really was scared at that time that if I told the truth about what I really wanted to do, that it would mean I had to do something about it. <laughs> and I realised that that was the case. And what I hid behind at the time was if I tell the truth about what I want to do, they won't like it. As in my current employer won't like it, my, you know you hide behind these weird things to stop yourself from having to face the fact that it's actually you you're most scared of. Usually when you share your fears with other people um, and you're worried about how they're going to react to you, that's actually not the thing that you're really scared of, if, if we're honest. And I don't think that that just applies to me. I think that that applies to many, many people in many situations. So yeah, so that's how I quit my job and that's how I felt about quitting my job. And so that leads me into setting up Thrive Life and Business. And what I want you to know about that is total transparency. It looked at the beginning very different to how it looks today. And I think it's really important to point that out because as a business owner, and also as a leader, like if you've got a job in a business, what you will find is your role or your business develops as you do too. And what I found is owning a business has taught me to be incredibly intentional with the direction that I'm headed, which means at the beginning, I was still feeling the pressure to fit into this corporate jacket. And I could give you multiple examples, but I'm, I'm, that's not what this episode is about. I just want to let you know that it looked different because it reflected my fears at the time. It looked different because my fears were if I don't keep wearing this corporate jacket, will I be taken seriously? And of course, that links back to the two intrinsic fears that we have, which are, will I be accepted? And will I be, will I fail, basically? But that jacket just did not feel comfortable and something fell off. And I remember trying to separate the two too much, life and business. And I know that I was doing that from a place of, if I talk about life too much, then the corporate people, whoever they are, won't take me seriously. And if I talk about business too much, the people who want to talk about the inner work and the life stuff and the more spiritual stuff, they won't take me seriously. And that's because I myself didn't yet understand that the 
well, firstly, I was concentrating on myself. Do you notice that? Like, I was like, they're not going to take me seriously then. It was all about me. When actually, it's not about you at all. When, you, <laughs> when you're providing a service, it is about the people you serve. And that's a hard lesson to learn. What will they think of me? Will I be... It's, it's, I think at the beginning, it's very easy to fall into the trap of what do they think of me? And it's not about you. And yeah, I didn't understand myself that the thing business owners and leaders needed in the context of what a leader really is, they weren't looking for more tick lists. They weren't looking for more processes and consultancy and strategies. They tried them. And working with now an amazing friend of mine, but at the time I, I actually got help from Camilla from Human Edge Marketing because I realised that what leaders actually wanted was to be led through the inner work that holds them back from implementing the stuff that they know. You know, I can come into your business and talk about how to deliver appraisals or how to train your people or how to have difficult conversations or how to be productive. We can talk about the strategy and the process till the cows come home. But one of the things that I realized was that's not where the value is. That's not where you're gonna get the best bang for your buck when you're working with me. And the way that Camilla explained it to me, which I was just like, my jaw was hitting the table every time she spoke was, she said, these leaders, Nick, these business owners, they have big goals. And she said, imagine if you're climbing Mount Everest, people literally die doing that shit. And she was explaining, she said that one of the things when you're climbing Mount Everest is you meet Sherpas. I didn't know what a Sherpa was. Google it if you don't either. I didn't. And she was like, it's a Sherpa's job to advise and to coach and to cheer you on and to bring their very specific experience to the table and act as your guide. <laughs> she said, Nikki, you're a motherfucking Sherpa. And I was like, not only did this make me absolutely howl laughing, but it was also really useful to hear her take on what it is that I do. Because in my personal life, and I'm going to get to this a little bit later in the episode, God knows how long this episode's going to be, but I am going to get to this a little bit later. In my personal life, one of the challenges that I was facing was the people around me who loved me and cared for me didn't have a fucking clue what I did. <laughs> and that was even when I had a job. They There's a big joke with my husband and my family where they call me Chandler Bing because they it's like Chandler Bing, you know he has an all right job, you know he's doing quite well for himself, but no one really knows what he does. <laughs> Transponder. <laughs> I hope that you know that joke. Um, but yeah, like that was, it was frustrating to me because I couldn't communicate that. And I'm now at peace that not everyone understands what I do. Just like not everyone understands what a chiropodist does or not everyone understands what an energy healer does or not everyone understands what a thoracic surgeon does. But you can bet if you needed one, you'd soon know about it. And that's, that's the thing I surrender to is the people who need to know what I do for a living are the people who usually need the value that I'm here to provide. Just like I didn't know what a Sherpa was until Camilla told me what a Sherpa was. But you can imagine if I was climbing Mount Everest, I would know what a Sherpa was, you know? 
<laughs> so yeah, I hope that there's value in me sharing this. Where the business is now, I am very clear on the value that I offer and the services that I offer and who I offer that to. The people that I work with, typically on paper, they're nailing it, but inside they're craving, they're craving confidence, support, control, fulfillment in their life and business. And a lot of the time they're in fear that is keeping them stuck in indecision. Their boundaries are loose and gray and they've got dread, so they dread the unknown, they dread challenges, it makes them question, are they gonna be able to handle it? They're the things that I help people with. And what we do together is get crystal clear on your goals and give, I give my, my clients, my one-to-one -one clients, my Thrive Together members, the tools and support to get them there and realign themselves as a leader. I'm gonna talk about this concept a little bit later because it's one of the challenges that I've faced in my own business is defining a leader. But So I'm not gonna labor on that now, but it's aligning them as the leader in their life and business. And that's what that means. Thriving in life and business means making decisions from an empowered place. It's about how you show up, how you lead in your life, in your business, with your team, with your family, with your Instagram audience, if that's applicable, but with yourself, you know? And that's what the business is. The work we do together is real, it's deep-rooted, and it creates sustainable change that leaks into every aspect of your life and business. The ripple effect is real. And I'm so proud of what I've created because it has taken me to be incredibly intentional with, well, I'm not gonna talk too much about that now because that's one of my business challenges is being intentional. So I'm gonna leave that alone. But yes, I am proud of what I've created, but I wanted to highlight in this, in this section, in this part of the podcast that it's not been easy. I think that on the outside looking in, you only get to see a certain portion of what is shown to you whether you're looking at me whether you're looking at the next person in business and I wanted you to know that it takes time and patience and persistence and energy and a lot of inner work <laughs> to overcome the self-doubt and overcome the inner shit that you've got that is holding you back from creating something that you know deep down if you're really brave about it, is gonna make the impact that you wanna make on the world. And that's what's important to me. So moving into that then, I wanna talk to you about the challenges that I've had with myself, with other people and in business. So let's get in. Uh, I've literally got a list here of challenges that I've had with myself <laughs> and they're all just bullet points. So um, prepare for a ramble. The first two are the main two. And those two, those two challenges are and were fear of what other people will think and fear of failure. I had so much self-doubt and that self-doubt was leading me to be convinced before I'd even begun that I could fail. And one of the things that I realised over time, so not straight away, but one of the things that I realised that was my fear of failure was and always had been making me fail in advance. So that's what eventually made me think, well, I may as well go all in. And that allowed me to stop using fear of failure as an excuse to play small, as an excuse to 
not be true and as an excuse to hide. But on that, before I move on from that, because it leaks into all of the other points that I can see I've written down, this fear of self, of um, not self-doubt, this self-doubt that I felt and this fear of failure, I want you to know how real this was. And this is why I do the work that I do is because the clients that I work with now, I get them to bring those fears and put them on the table and work through them. I think when you're on your own and it's just you working through your fears, unless you've learned techniques, for instance, journaling and ways of being quite observant and mindful about your thoughts and being able to process them in quite a... um, what's the word I'm looking for? Objective. In quite an objective way, then you can just get sucked into them. And what happens is you become your fear. So rather than you being you and looking at your fear and what it actually means and what it doesn't mean, instead you become it. So you are you identify with it and that comes out in I am statements. So for any of you who are in Thrive Together, what you'll be hearing through this episode is you might be listening to this episode thinking, ah, that's interesting because we do that in power planning. Oh, that's interesting because you talked about that in that module. I want you to know that absolutely fucking everything that I have suffered with or worked through or worked on myself has led to the content, the material, the services that I provide. Because one of the things that you can bet on is if you're experiencing something, you can damn well bet that other people will be too. And we all just play this game of hiding it really, really well. And I am still, to this day, scared of failure. I'm an Enneagram type three. I am inherently scared of failure. (laughs) But I also was, in my job, paid extraordinarily well. I had, when I had a job, I was paid so well. I had great working conditions. So what happens when you set up a business and you basically say... I'm not going to have all of that anymore. It makes you question your identity. And I remember that so crystal clear. I felt like my whole identity was being turned on its head. Like, who am I if I'm not that job? Who am I if I'm not that job title? Earning that money with those working conditions, getting that first class train down to Houston. Like all of this materialistic ego stuff when you say no to that, consciously say no to that, you're like, I'm not going to have that anymore. I'm not going to do those things anymore. It brings into question this identity that you've spent years forming. And so when I work with clients who are going to quit their job, one of the ways that they're framing it in their heads is, but I've worked, I've worked all my life to get to this point and I've got to this point and I'm not fulfilled. And I'm like, yeah. And, And then they continue by saying, But if I give it all up, I'm sacrificing everything. And one of the things that I want you to know is that's not true. You're not sacrificing everything. Every single thing that has happened to you or you have made happen up until this point in your life and in business has served you in some way, shape or form. And so when I was, when I quit my job and I was setting up my own business, all of that self-doubt that I felt or all of that fear of failure that I had, like I said, you know, I had to realise myself that it was already holding me back. It was already making me fail in advance, which is a way of self-sabotaging to keep yourself in this safety bubble. But that safety bubble isn't keeping you safe, it's keeping your ego safe. 
And when you start working through that, it's actually quite liberating and scary all at the same time. So <laughs> conflicting feelings is what you can expect to feel. Um, so other, anyway, other challenges that I faced, because if I don't crack on, we are literally gonna be here all day. Other challenges that I faced were waiting to feel inspired or motivated. What a crock of shit I used to feed to myself. Like this looked like, just to give you the actual reality of how this looked, this looked like me buying a new A4 pad because that's the thing I needed. If I had a clean, fresh A4 pad, all of these ideas would come out. Or um, like when I set up my business, it was the beginning of the pandemic. That wasn't intentional, by the way. It just, it just was the way it was. It was the way it fell. And um, I used to think to myself, you know, when, when I can go into a cafe and work, that's when I'll get inspired and be, feel really motivated. This is just not true. It's just not true. You can't sit around and wait to feel inspired. You can't sit around and wait to feel motivated. It just doesn't work like that. What that is and what I've learned from myself is that is a way to avoid the things that require courage, to avoid the work that must be done in order for you to deliver what it is that you wanna deliver. Now, what I'm not saying by this is that it's not a good thing to feel motivated and it's not a good thing to feel inspired. My best work comes from a place of inspiration and it comes from a place of feeling motivated, but my best work is never done when I have waited to feel those things. And I know that this episode is about me, but I've worked with enough people now to realize that that same thing, that same concept is applicable to us all really um so yeah I used to do that a lot I'm gonna be really honest with you I used to feel like I had to have just the right setting or the right journal or the right environment to feel inspired and motivated and then what happened is once I worked through that and committed to showing up and regard like forget about me for a minute this will look differently for every single one of you showing up in your business will look completely different to every single one of you so for those of you who are in a job and in leadership in a more corporate organization showing up might mean saying the things that you really want to fucking say in a management meeting saying the things that you wouldn't dream of saying but need to be said or sending that email regardless of the fear that comes with it. If you're a business owner it, with a team, it you know showing up might mean setting relevant expectations with your team in order to, for you to uphold those boundaries and those expectations that you've set. If you're in a position like I'm in, showing up might mean marketing it might mean selling it might mean getting your face on social media even though you hate doing it <laughs> my hand is up so when you start when you stop waiting to feel inspired and motivated and you start showing up even if you don't feel ready even if you don't feel um like it's right and what i mean by right is that you know you just need to do this first or you just need to finish that first or you just need to do that course over there to feel credible and confident you will feel feed yourself so much shit about what will happen if you don't wait and you will believe that shit so for example i used to and i know that a lot of other people do this too i used to feed myself the line of 
But if I show up, and again, please relate that to whatever that looks like for you. If I show up and I do or say something that makes people think ill of me, i.e. they think that I'm not credible or they think that what I've got to say is a load of shit, what will happen then is they will reject me and therefore I will fail because no one will invest in themselves as me, through, through me. And I know for you, you'll all have your own thread of fear in that way. But what you have to learn to do is show up and be okay with not always showing up in a way that you would ideally like to. You're showing up because you're getting better at showing up. That's not to say that you're showing up as the finished article. That's not to say that you're showing up as the version of you that you would ideally like to present to the world. Sometimes you've got to show up as a version that you're not happy to present to the world in order to become the person that you'd like to present to the world. And again, notice how all of this is us-centric. It's ego-centric. To be concerned about how you're going to come across isn't putting service over self. So if you notice there's a thread in what I'm saying in the challenges that I had with myself all came from that place. And the next thing that I want to talk about is this thing I had with myself of listening to other people too much, like really too much. And I've got a list of a few things that I want to I want to share with you about this because I feel like it's really important that I be really honest and transparent about it. At the time when I launched the business, I made a few what I now consider to be poor investment choices in my own personal development. I think what can happen when you're unsure is you want to seek the answers from outside of yourself. So you want someone else who is marketing to you in a way that shows you that they've been there, worn the t-shirt, done the thing, and now they've got what you've got. And so I made a few investment choices at the beginning of my business in courses and workshops and what they call masterminds that I look back on now and think that's not what I needed at all. I was distracting myself in order to avoid the hard stuff. And what I was having to learn was that really hard lesson of being kind to yourself at the same time as holding yourself accountable. And that is a really fucking hard thing to learn, actually, is to hold yourself accountable at the same time as not being hard and not beating yourself up. It's holding yourself accountable and building self-trust with yourself in order to be who you want to be in life and in business without the drill sergeant attitude. That's so hard to learn. And what I was doing right the way back at the beginning of my business was trying to find the answers outside of myself. So I was looking to other leaders and business owners and coaches who were, you know, showing that you could lean into your feminine and do all of these different things. And I was thinking that that was the issue for me and it really wasn't. What the issue was, quite simply, was I was a new business owner learning the ropes and finding my feet. And what I wasn't doing was sticking with something long enough and when it got hard, sticking with it and persisting and coaching myself through it. Instead, what I was doing was numbing out by like um, 
reaching my arms out for all this external information, for all of this, these external answers, when actually what I needed to be doing was getting really grounded and quiet within myself and finding the answers that were already there. And on this point, what I wanna say to you is, if you're in a situation where you can relate to what I'm saying and you are reaching out for this course and that webinar and this new thing and that new strategy, I'm gonna talk a little bit later on about investment choices and how to make a wise investment decision. I also know that I've recorded a episode on this. I'm gonna find the episode number now. Actually, there's two. One I would suggest after this episode is number 13 about decision making, but the one I was actually referring to is episode 29, which is called, Will Investing in Your Personal Development Really Pay Off? Go and have a listen to that. Anyway, I'll talk about investment in yourself a little bit later on. But the thing that I want to finish off on what I've learned about the challenges that I've had with myself is be in your own corner cheer yourself on rather than looking for outside of yourself permission outside of yourself validation for your idea outside of yourself for someone just to say yeah that's good keep going make an effort to consciously do that for yourself it is so much more powerful it honestly is so much more powerful when you if you're in thrive together and you listen to me week in week out banging on about celebrating your wins and cheering yourself on this is why This is why, because if you're not in your own corner, you are going to flounder. You are going to be looking for that validation, that support outside of yourself. And that's not a bad thing. We all need support. I need support. You need support. Everyone does. Hence the reason, by the way, why I'm still investing in mentors and coaches personally. But it's it's secondary to the support that I give myself. And that's the point that I'm making here is all of that outside information, all of that outside support, allow that to be the salt and pepper to the main course. Allow it to be the condiment as opposed to the main event. And ultimately, yes, being a leader in any capacity can be isolating, it can be lonely, because you are the one making decisions. And those decisions are both empowering and shit scary because you live and die by your own decisions. I know that's a really dramatic way of putting it, but you understand my point. So it can be really lonely, really isolating, but please understand that that whole Venn diagram, if you follow me on Instagram, where is life in one circle, business in the other, and then you in the middle, there's a reason that I keep posting that. And that reason is because We can be talking about your life, we can be talking about your business, but unless you're dealing with the inner challenges that you face, and that's it, it's continually allowing yourself to expand. It is about your expansion. It's not about getting it perfect. It's not about getting it right. It's about continually growing and recognizing that a lot of your fears about you, your inner stuff, none of them are fixed all of them can be worked on and worked through. So the next thing I wanna talk to you about is the challenges that I've had with others. So this goes from people who know me personally and have done for the past 35 years, all the way through to staying in my lane and on my path. So let's just get into it. One of the first challenges that I had when I launched the business was that whole Chandler Bing thing that that I talked about earlier. 
and I didn't realise how much it actually affected me, but it really, really did. And it did because when when I launched the business, what I was doing, as I've just explained, is I was looking outside of myself for validation. So the people at the beginning that I was turning to, to ask, do you think this is a good idea? Do you think that's a good idea? They didn't actually understand my business, my business model, what I even did. (laughs) And so that's like someone coming to me and asking me, what do you think of this Ferrari? I don't fucking know. I don't even like Ferraris. I'm not really interested in cars. I don't understand the difference between a Ferrari and another car. That I am the wrong person for you to ask that question to. I wish that the people that I had gone to at the beginning to find that validation, to find that sparkle in their eye that goes, yes, that's an epic idea, go and do that. I wish I hadn't have asked them that question. And I wish when I did ask them that question, I wish they'd have said to me, Nick, I'm gonna be really honest, I don't fucking know. I don't know what you do. I'm sure it's great, go and ask someone who does. Because what happened eventually (laughs) was I learned that I was listening to people when I was asking them questions about pricing, when I was asking them questions about my services and service ideas, when I was asking people who didn't get it, they were coming from that place of not understanding. So what they were wanting to try and do was be a good friend or be a good family member or be a good um, colleague or whatever they were to me. They were trying to be a good one because they were trying to be supportive by engaging in the conversation because they were not the people who were eventually going to need and buy my services, they were commenting on it the same way I'd probably comment on a Ferrari. I hope that makes sense. So yes, it's important to get an opinion and yes, it's important to do research when you're going into business, but maybe don't get that research from your nan or <laughs> or whoever. You know, be really crystal clear on who it is that you're asking for opinions from. Um, And with that, by the way, also brought some really personal stuff too. So when I started to show up on social media, when people who knew me for 35 years started to watch me, it's like, can you imagine you've been doing your job all of these years in these companies where your friends and family can't see you in action? All of a sudden, there you are on social media in action. You know, (laughs) they, it was like, oh, This is who you are when you're not Nikki the friend or Nikki the, you know, you are, it's like seeing your teacher in a shop when you're just used to seeing them in school, you know, that kind of thing. And with that comes comments that are sometimes well-intended, but sometimes not. You know, I remember um, seeing a friend and her boyfriend and we were chatting away about something and I must have been irate about something or other. I can't even remember what it was. Probably something stupid. I was probably hungry (laughs) at the time. And I remember he said to me, oh, aren't you meant to be Mrs. Positivity? And I thought, oh shit, you don't understand what I do. I didn't take it personally. I didn't, I wasn't insulted. But in that moment, I realized you don't get it. Like, in his opinion, you're a life coach, you're meant to be positive all the time, and why are you moaning about whatever it was I was moaning about? Because that you're a fraud, basically, is what he was saying. Tongue-in-cheek, of course, it always is, but I want you to know that 
when you put yourself out there, that's the kind of thing that you might come up against. And that's hard. You know, putting yourself out there and basically voting for yourself by way of action. I am going to quit my job and do this thing because I back myself and I believe myself that I can make it work is saying to the world that you have a an element of belief in yourself that that you're really good at it. And so you have to be prepared for other people's judgment and to feel your way through that. I definitely wouldn't recommend, you know, um, I think Brené Brown calls it puff up. I wouldn't recommend trying to bat it off like it doesn't um, affect you in any way. That definitely affected me. And I remember at the beginning of my business, you know, it would definitely make me not want to show up on social media want to scale back in ways and not be as weird as I am and not swear as much. You know, I've received LinkedIn messages from guys who are like, oh, well, you would actually come across as a lot more credible if you didn't swear as much. But you know what? They don't get to decide how I run my business. They don't get to decide how I show up. I would not be leading in my life and business if I didn't show up authentically as myself, because that is the business that I am building and that is the choice that I am making. And I reserve the right to change my mind, as do you. So it may well, you know, you might be listening to this when I'm 100 episodes down the line and I might not swear anymore. I doubt that. But the point is that's my choice, not yours, Mr. Man on LinkedIn, who wants to give me their opinion, because of course you're just trying to help. You know, <laughs> So... I want you to know that yes, I had that challenge of judgment from people who knew me and people who didn't know me. And what it requires you to do is stay on your own path, stay in your own lane, not necessarily need to convince others about what you do and not need the validation yourself from others of them being impressed by what you do or being interested even in what you do. Like, I can't tell you the amount of times I've gone in to get my hair done or my nails done or something like that and they've asked me what I do and I've told them. And you'd think that I was telling them that I'm a traffic warden. You know, it's a conversation killer in a lot of scenarios and that's okay. And the reason that that's okay is because I'm not for them and that's okay. So even if you're not a business owner, even if you're not in my position, I want you to know that this relates to you by way of if you're ever in a situation where you're finding yourself having to justify yourself or explain or validate, please know that you never have to validate yourself. You never have to justify or explain. The people who are for you will know. And the people who aren't, you can let them go with love. I don't sell in my business. I don't convince in my business. I allow my clients to come to me already convinced that they already know that they want to work with me. And that's that's my strategy. That's the way that I like to do business. I don't need to convince them or try to make them understand what I do. And if that is the case, then they can either hop on board, listen to my podcast, join the membership, or they can fall away and they will find the right person or the right resource for them. And so what that requires you to do is trust and surrender, which is something I'm gonna come on to. Just a couple more things before I move on from challenges with other people. And firstly, what I wanna say about challenges with other people is what I found about challenges with other people is it's rarely about them. They're just reflecting back to you what you're uncomfortable with. 
um, and allowing you the opportunity to work through your own shit. So when I say challenges with other people, I really do mean still challenges with myself, but they are, <laughs> but they are a vehicle that provides you with that opportunity if you allow them to be, right? And that's, that's how you don't take it to heart. That's how you don't have to be stoic. You don't have to build this brick wall around you to protect yourself. You just allow the growth to happen. I hope that makes sense. Um, so a couple more things before I move on from this on my list are choosing the opinions to get and the opinions to follow. So I mentioned before how I still have mentors, I still have coaches. And one of the things that I've learned to do is take those opinions from other people and the guidance and advice from other people as exactly that. I am the youngest of three sisters. I, by a long way, by the way, my eldest sister is 17 years older than me. My middle sister is 11 years older than me, I think. I've, I was the youngest in my year, 25th of August. So I was the baby of every single school year. And I've always been surrounded by people who are older than me as well. And I think one of the effects of that has been that I look up to people who I hold in high regard to have the, to have better answers than I would ever have. And whilst it's good to get the opinions of other people, especially when they've walked your path already, especially when they might have had experience that you haven't, or especially when someone who holds values that you really aspire to and respect, I think it's really important to still take their guidance and advice as exactly that. Because when it's your business, or even when it's not, when you are the leader, which means you are, you are the one making the decisions, it's on your head. And so you can choose which opinions to follow and which ones not to, but what that requires you to do is to get to know yourself really well. And also if you are a business owner, to get to know your the people you look to serve really well. I know that I've got amazing guidance and advice off my mentors, but my mentors don't know my audience and the people who I serve as well as I do. And so I, it's my responsibility to take that into account when I'm looking as to what, what guidance I will implement into my business. I really hope that that makes sense because that's a really important point. If you are the one leading a team, if you are the one leading a function or a business, it's on you. And with that comes great empowerment and responsibility, but also obligation. Obligation to do the right thing for you, for your business and for the people that you serve. And the last thing that I wanted to comment on here when it comes to the challenges that I had with others is this noise that you can often hear when you hear people talking about balance. To me, balance is a big myth. I'm gonna be really honest, balance. I don't really, I don't seek to pursue balance as a value. And the reason for that is because I think that as leaders, our shift, no, 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 sorry. Our focus shifts as we shift. And so trying to achieve balance, particularly in the middle of a pandemic, particularly when it's the middle of the school holidays, sorry if you can hear Bob in the background, and your kids are on holiday and you're trying to juggle all the balls in the air, trying to then add on top of that, this pursuit of balance, in my honest opinion, is a surefire way to make yourself feel like shit. I 
learned quite quickly that trying to go after balance and anyone's opinion on what I should be prioritizing in any given moment usually had an agenda behind it. And that agenda was normally driven by what they wanted. So if it was someone trying to sell me on their coaching or their latest workshop, they would try and sell me the idea of whatever it is that they were selling. If it was someone trying to get my attention in a certain way, shape or form, there was an agenda behind it. And so I think it's on you as the leader in your business or as the leader in our business to decide on your priorities at that given time. So if I just give you a quick, um, example on how this personally applied to me. At the beginning of my business, there were certain things that I let slide that at the time I I made myself feel like shit about because I knew that these particular things made me feel good. But now I look back and realize that wasn't actually a bad decision to make, even though I wasn't intentionally consciously making that as a decision. So an example of, an example of that is exercise. I remember at the beginning of my business, I was waking up and I was journaling at half five in the morning. I was doing lots and lots and lots more of the inner work than I ever had because of everything that I've said in this episode so far. I wanted to feel connected to myself because I wanted to hear what I had to say so that I could work through it. But what that meant was sacrificing other things, sacrificing going for a run or going to the gym or going for that coffee or that drink with friends, which to be fair, wasn't the case at the time for me because it was the beginning of the pandemic. But I think the point that I'm making here is you hear a lot of people talk about how you should strive to get balance in your life and in your business. And I'm not sure I believe in that. And certainly from my own experience, when I've tried to pursue balance, what it's made me is feel very unhappy. What it's made me is feel very unable to juggle everything all at once. And so what I prefer to do is be really intentional about what, where my focus and my attention and my time and energy is going to go. And sometimes that means that some things, like my exercise or the time I'm spending with my family and friends, that might get less of my time and attention from one week to the next if I'm launching something. If So do you see, it's like getting to each month, each week, each day and actually intentionally deciding how you're using your time as opposed to feeling like you should be doing it all and then feeling like beating yourself up about it. I don't know about you, I'd love to hear from you because I haven't really met anyone yet who has got everything all balanced and perfect and is also leading a really happy life and everything's going really swimmingly in their business. So yeah, I'd love to hear from you if that is the case. And if if you disagree, please feel free to contact me and say, I don't agree with you. I'd lo-. like these aren't when I'm sharing my thoughts with you, these aren't these are my thoughts, therefore these should be your thoughts too. I'm sharing my experience and I'm sharing my opinions in the hope that it you get value from it in some way. Right, so the last thing that I wanna talk about is the challenges that I've faced in my business. And I'm gonna hammer through these points because I've already been talking for 55 minutes now and not everyone in my poll voted for longer episodes. Some of you did vote for shorter episodes, so I'm sorry to those of you who prefer the shorter ones. But things, challenges that I had in my business right from the get-go, firstly, was underestimating the things that you have to do. 
oh my God, there is so much shit out there about working from a beach, four hour week, making money while you have sex. I genuinely think that if someone had pulled me to one side and said, look in your first year of business, you don't set up a business to get away from the parts of the job that you have that you don't like. Because you can guarantee in your first year of business, unless you've got financial backing behind you, in which case you can outsource, which is perfect and brilliant and, you know, good for you. I didn't. And therefore there were things that I had to do in my business that did not light me up. And I resisted them incredibly, like the financials and understanding how corporation tax works and all of that shit, all the way through to building a website, all of that stuff. So I think you have to get your head around it pretty quickly and be quite disciplined in understanding the things that have to be done in order for your business to be successful, but also not playing into them. And what I mean by that is not making a big drama about it. Just, okay, this is what's got to be done. Let's get on with it. And let's do it in such a way that means that I can play to my strengths even more. And I love the topic of discipline because I really do feel like the more we can do things for our future selves, the more we honour our current self. And what I mean by that is, there are times when I don't want to go to the gym, there are times when I don't want to go for a run, there are times when I do not want to sit on zero, the accountancy software, and click through all of the things, absolutely not, that I could find well better ways of spending my time. And at one point, maybe I'll get a bookkeeper, maybe I'll outsource that. But in doing the things that I don't particularly feel like doing, I know that I am building the muscle of honouring my current self and my future self because I know that my future self would be happy with me. Um, so I really just wanted to comment on that. Next challenge that I had with my business is the clarity. And this goes all the way back to listening to other people. But I have found marketing especially difficult. And people are often surprised by this because I'm quite active on social media. And this is because I'm active on social media and in my podcasts because I am iterating in order to refine. I am iterating in order to refine. I have learned that I don't get any clearer by brainstorming. I don't get any clearer by letting it rattle around in my own mind and whiteboarding, like putting everything on a whiteboard and mind mapping it out. I learn by speaking to real people. And I think this is because, like I was talking about earlier, in terms of people actually understanding what it is that I do, as a bit of a side note, the hardest challenge for me is what people think of the two key phrases that define what I do, and they are personal development and leadership. So with personal development, what I've learned is when you say this term, some people literally think of their employer sending them on a course and almost like feeling like, oh, personal development, oh, it's like something I've got to do to keep my boss happy to tick a box. This is so not what I mean when I say personal development. What I mean when I say personal development is doing the inner, everything that I've talked about in this episode, <laughs> doing the inner work on yourself that allows you to build the knowledge, skills, and behaviors that empower you. That's personal development. And leadership, fucking hell have I battled with this one. Using the term leadership has made me not want to use the term leadership and circle all the way back to 
making me want to use the term leadership and define exactly what it is that I mean by it. And again, I think some people, when I say leader or leadership, they think of someone in a suit, in a boardroom, in some corporate gig. And that's, they might fall into that category, but that's not necessarily what I mean. When you show up on your social media and you are adding value, that's leading. When you make a decision that doesn't necessarily go with the crowd, whether you're a teenager making a decision not to do drugs or whether you are a leader making a decision to put someone on furlough, that's leadership. Leadership is doing the hard thing that is right as opposed to the easy thing. And it's been really difficult for me to stick to using the language that I use because I know that for those people who are leaders, for, for instance, I was speaking to a friend about this the other week, she's a founder. So she, like me, is a single owned business owner. She runs a marketing company and um, she is a marketing coach. And she was talking to me about whether she classed herself as a leader and until, we've become closer as friends. She said, there's no way I would have classed myself as a leader, but now I actually understand what it is. I suppose I am one, yeah? And I think so many people fall into that category. Actually, I might do a whole other podcast on that. Let me know if you'd like to hear that. But yeah, that I've really struggled with marketing and being really clear, and that's something that I am still working on. So the last thing that I wanna cover off before I move away from the challenges that I've had in business, is being intentional, saying no to opportunities that don't fit or serve the direction that my business is going in and making sure that I don't recreate a job. One of the hard things I think for any new business owner um, or any leader is saying yes to the right opportunities and no to the ones that don't align. And it's hard because what we wanna do a lot of the time when we see an opportunity come up is like, oh, that's a really financially viable opportunity. Oh, that could get me exposure. But it takes you to be grounded in your why to say yes to the right opportunities and no to the other. And the way that I've now started to look at this is, and I've got my hands up here and it's like, if I'm saying yes to this, it automatically means I'm saying no to that and vice versa. And so you could relate this to parts of your life where if you're saying yes to going to the gym, you're then saying no to sitting on your ass and vice versa. And I'm not saying that one of them is is worse or better than the other. What I'm, what I'm showing you there, what I'm demonstrating to you there is you have decisions to make and those decisions make you the leader in your life and in your business. But sometimes decisions will come along for you to make that look like great opportunities in this moment. And especially if you're in a financial situation where you could really use the money, it takes a lot of being grounded and being connected to your why to say yes for the right reasons. And so if you are a new business owner, if you are in that particular decision, or even if you've been offered a new job opportunity and you're wondering whether to go for it or not, really connect back to that why. So a summary. In summary, I would say the big lessons that I've learned are get the right help, make the right investments. Don't just invest in something because it's shiny or because they're guaranteeing you that you'll be able to skip the steps. You don't get to skip the work just because someone's selling that to you. Do, on the other hand, make wise investment choices. And if you can, set aside money for your own growth 
and if you can, to put back into your business and therefore start offloading tasks that take you away from your zone of genius. This is how I've done it. And I'm giving you the ways that I've done it in the hope that it will help you. I personally, every single month, set aside a small percentage of money that goes towards my own personal development and a small percentage of money that goes back into reinvesting in the business. Um, so, and I think that's really important to point out because on the outside, you know, you hear a lot of people talking about 5K months and 10K months, but when you actually get into, but what are you taking home? Which I would never ask someone, by the way, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in how are you serving people? Um, anyway, I'm not gonna even go there in this episode. I think the really important point there is, how are you reinvesting back into yourself and how are you, re- how are you reinvesting back into your business? A couple of other things that I wanna highlight just in summary is don't stop. It's gonna be hard and you're gonna come up against so many challenges that make you think that you can't do it. And you're gonna have so many times when you're doubting your path because it's difficult. And what I wanna say to you is don't stop. Actions bring inevitable results. And more important than that, your growth. A lot of the time what we do is we focus on the goal and we see how far away from that goal we are and therefore we become disheartened. And what I wanna say, particularly for those of you who are inside Thrive Together, when we goal set, do you notice how we also highlight our high value activities? There's a method behind this. I was I was chatting to a previous one-to-one client who is now also a Thrive Together member. And we were chatting the other day and we were talking about a concept that I will be bringing into life towards the end of the year. But one of the things that she said, and she coined it beautifully, she said, look after the high value activities and the goals take care of themselves. Which is to say, if you continue to make the steps, you're getting there regardless, don't worry about it. Doesn't matter if one day it's a giant leap and the next day it's five steps forward, five tiny steps forward. You're making progress because you're growing. You're making progress because you're learning and moving. Yeah, so I think that's a really important point to end with because it allows you to connect with yourself, to build self-trust, to build your resilience. And I also wanna say that when you're on the outside looking in, which I often am with my own clients, a lot of the work that I've talked about today, it feels vulnerable as shit. When you can see what's happening from the outside and you are watching from the outside and someone going through that metamorphosis, you can see that they are shedding. You can see that there are things and beliefs falling away that no longer serve them and they're making space for the new. Literally strong foundations are being laid in that process that feels so messy. So learn to have trust in yourself. Learn to continue to take the actions that you know will make your goal achievement inevitable and learn to surrender into trust. I It's taken me a long, long time, but I have now fully learn how to lean into trust that things are working out just the way that they're meant to and that goes for all the challenges and that goes for all of the adversity and all the shit that comes up and all of the technical problems fine I might resist it in the time in that moment but leaning in and surrendering to trusting that it's all working out the way that it should be is one of the most empowering ways that you can support yourself And so the last thing that I wanna tell you is the topic for September inside Thrive Together because everything that I've talked about today focuses on one key thing in my 
in my opinion. All of my experiences have been valuable. A lot of them have been painful lessons to learn, but so much of what I've experienced has enabled me to serve better. And that is the case for you too. If you look back on your life, if you look back on your career, however that's panned out for you, I will bet that there have been some really, really painful moments that have served you in some way, shape or form. Now you can look back on them. And for me, everything that I've learned, everything that I've been through has helped me to build courses, workshops, coaching methods that impact the root causes for my clients and the people that I serve. There is not one thing that I've mentioned today in this episode or even if we were just chatting over a coffee that I haven't weaved in to thrive together or my one-to-one coaching in some way. And for that, I am truly grateful for the lessons. But one of the things that has served me through all of those times is to be consistent with my intentional action. And so that's why the topic inside Thrive Together in September is going to be habits. Because when we get to the end of September, we're gonna be doing our next round of goal setting. So for my Thrive Together members, strap yourselves in because we have learned over the last quarter what works for us, what doesn't work for us and what we can incorporate into our weekly power planning sessions. And so habit is going to be something that I talk to you about in the month of September and bring it to the inner work conversation on the podcast as well. So I hope that you're all looking forward to that. I am personally really excited to bring that topic to the table. I want to talk to you about the compound effect of small incremental improvement. I want to talk to you about being intentional with your actions. So all of that is what's to come and I'm really excited to bring it. But with that, this episode has gone on for longer than an hour. So if you're still here with me, thank you. I hope that this episode has served you. I hope it's given you insight. I hope it's illuminated things in yourself that you can go ahead and work on. And I hope you've enjoyed it. I'm going to sign off there because it's my birthday. Well, it's actually not. I'm recording this the day before. But regardless, celebrating you, celebrating me. I'll see you in the next episode. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode today. I definitely enjoyed recording it. I'm always a little bit more nervous about the more personal episodes. I don't know why. I think it's because it's more personal. (laughs) So what I really would appreciate is your feedback. If something has particularly resonated with you in today's episode, tell me. If you disagree with something, if you totally hard agree with something, again, let me know. You can message me on Thrive Life and Business over on Instagram. You can get me on LinkedIn. It's Nikki Cross. Or you can email me on contact at tlb.org.uk. That's contact at tlb.org.uk. Just to let you know, my doors to my membership Thrive Together are wide open. It's a monthly membership. You can come and go as you please. You are not trapped in any particular contract. I would definitely say that if today's material, if today's content has resonated with you, go and have a look at it. I've had quite a few new members join recently off the back of me sharing content like this. And I think that's because people are starting to realize that this is the kind of stuff that Thrive Together actually helps with. It is about being intentional with your time. It is about making decisions as the leader in your life and business. 
I would also want to let you know that if you have sent me an application to work with me one-to-one, -one, the doors are open. I'm reviewing them currently. And so you'll hear from me soon. If you would like to work with me one-to-one, -one, I'm taking my final applications for 2021. That sounds so insane to say, <laughs> but get your application in or just message me if you are considering investing yourself in that way. So I'll sign off there. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode today and I'll see you next time.